We had a great week and uh, exhausting week. Uh, and uh, just to give you a size, sense of the scale, uh, what you saw up here, which seems like an awful lot of kids, was about a third of the kids that were here uh, each night. Uh, and on the little kids, is about half the kids that were here each morning. So this was a really, really big week, uh, overwhelming in a lot of ways. Uh, and we had a lot of rain outside. And so sometimes when the, the kids came in from there and the thunderstorm played on in the eye of the storm, it, it felt like, is that outside or is that inside? And uh, so it was a lot of fun. I think a lot of memories were made. Um, and if you were around during the week, uh, you know this, but if you weren't, I wish that you could have been up front kind of where I was sitting because this is a whole church event. Like the kids are up here on stage doing it, but there's all these adults out here doing it too who probably are as into it as all of these guys were and are. Uh, and so it really was a whole church event. And so we talk about it and we, we tell you what happened and you can get the impression that we're kind of like bragging on our church. Like, oh man, aren't we something? But listen, I, I want you to understand Please don't walk away with that impression, because that is not what we are doing. What we are is this. We are blown away by the privilege that we have to be involved in what God is doing and to watch him do it. It is an incredible, unbelievable, overwhelming thing. I think about the lives that are up here. I think about the course of their lives and what could be changed or avoided. I think about the privilege. I grew up, I went to VBS every year. A lot of what I do today is a result of people who poured into my life again and again and again, from school teachers to Sunday school teachers to VBS workers to whatever. And so I get up and do what I do, and you're like, wow, Mark really, you know, God really uses him. But you have no idea how what I do is a, a reflection of what so many have done in my life. And so I'm saying, I'm looking at this as what God is about to do in the lives of so many young people and what God may be doing in your home and in your family. And so we consider it just a flat out privilege and we are honored. And so all of the, the joy, excitement, uh, credit, honor goes to the one who really did it in us and through us. And we kind of just got swept up in it and, and went along for the ride. Uh, it was a joy to pour out that effort and that energy. And it is a privilege for me to get up and spend just the next 15 minutes talking to you. Because I want to share with you the same thing that we shared with them. I want you to know the same message that we had to share with our kids this week. Um, before I forget, I want to mention, for, don't forget tonight, picnic, please come back. Please be a part of that. Um, five o'clock it starts. Uh, food is free. There is no charge. There are going to be giant inflatables and water slides. Because of that, if your kids are coming uh, ready to get on the water slide and such, or if you as big kids are coming to get on the water slide and such, please remember to wear you know swim gear or something and bring a towel so that, you know, like think ahead a little bit, okay? Uh, and as we kind of, uh, the mayhem ensues tonight with food and stuff like that. We probably won't open the food lines right at five. It'll probably be a little after that. But parents, keep an eye on your kids going through the food lines um, so that uh, we're not like wasting a bunch of food and things like that. And so that you make sure your kids actually do eat food tonight while we are here for our church picnic. I just want to share a few thoughts with you. I won't be super long. Um, what this week was about for us and what the privilege is for us. Certainly you've seen that it's about kids. Uh, they had a ton of fun. It's about workers. It's about music. It's about crafts. It's about decorations. It's about all kinds of things, but that's not really 
what it's about. Really at the core of it, this whole week, this whole church, my life, it's about Jesus. It's about something that we have to share with you, and I want to share it with you why we do this. Why would a bunch of people go crazy to have a fun week with kids? Why is it such a big deal to us? Why do we pour so much energy and time into it? And so we're going to read really short interaction in Acts chapter 5 today. It's a story from the early church, and we're going to pick it up kind of in the middle of the story here. In this story in Acts 5, people who followed Jesus were doing incredible things, unbelievable things, really. I mean... People who were sick were getting healed. People who had long-standing problems were getting them solved. And it was kind of miraculous and, and crazy. And there was this group of really spiritual people that was not happy. They were not happy. And so they told the, the followers of Jesus, you have to stop doing what you're doing. You have to stop talking about Jesus. And that's where this story picks up. In Acts chapter 5, and I'm just going to read verse 29 to to kick us off. Because Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, gets up and says this. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. Now that sounds just about right, doesn't it? We should obey God instead of people. But I think much of what our struggle in life is, much of what is wrong in our world, is that we do exactly the opposite. We listen to and give weight to human beings instead of God. And so all week long, what we have tried to teach our kids and what I try to live in my life and we as a church try to live in our lives and what I would invite you to live yourself is this. We should obey God rather than man. Our creator has told us how life works. He made it. He built us. He designed us. And yet we live in a world that says, no, 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 don't pay attention to what God thinks. We know better. We're smarter. We've got some new and advanced and improved ideas. Try this instead. I mean, that's old fashioned and that's something that that really will, will stifle your fun in life. And so the choice is in front of all of us. Will you obey God? Will you follow him? Or will you follow mankind? And so every single week, we as a church try to pass this simple concept on to our kids. That what God says matters. And when what God says disagrees with what people say, we should tune in to what God says. We want to follow His way, not get sucked into this world's way of thinking. So think about that just for a couple minutes with me. How many voices in this world are telling Our kids are telling us something different than what God has to say. How many voices do you bump into during the week in your day-to-day life where you hear a voice or a message that is different than what God would think? Human beings all around us, we call it culture or something like that, tell us all the time what we should do. Oh, this is where you should spend your money. This is what matters. Oh, if you have this, your life would be so much better. You've heard these messages, right? This is where you should spend your time. And if you're not spending your time like this, you're missing out. This is what you should think and how you should act sexually. This is how you should define yourself. This is how you should never have to wait for anything you don't want to wait for. Right? Have you heard that message? Oh, you don't have to wait. It's like the microwave world. 
You used to have to put it in the oven and wait a while for it to cook, right? Not anymore. We got the microwave. And where's the microwave for this problem? How can I get this problem off my life? I shouldn't have to wait for anything. We are messages all the time all around us. Hey, what should you do with your weekends? Who do you listen to about your schedule for the weekends? We ought to obey God rather than men. This is what your weeknights should look like. We ought to obey God rather than... This is what fun looks like. We ought to obey God rather than men. Who are you tuned into? Do you have any idea what God has to say about these things? Our world will tell us what it means if you are in a relationship. Our world will tell us what it means about you if you are not in a relationship. What does God have to say about it? Do you have any idea? The world will tell you, hide your mistakes, cover your failures, don't let anyone know. Make sure that you're in control of what everyone thinks of you. What does God think about your failures? What does He think you should do with them? We have to tune in to what God says instead of what the world says. His opinion should be the one that guides us. Does it guide you? Or do you barely hear Him at all? We want our kids to know who Jesus is. We want them to start learning to listen to Him. Our kids go through experiences that you and I never imagined as we were growing up. So if our kids, that are, that are these precious little souls, go to school this year coming up and they get bullied at school, we want them to know that what matters is not what all those bullies think, but what God thinks about them. Right? We want them to learn how to tune out what people say and to tune into what God says. Maybe they don't get the best grades. What does that mean about them? Maybe they're going to have a hard time growing up in some way. What does God say about them? We want them to learn how to tune out what the world says and to tune into what God says. Some of the problem is we haven't done that ourselves. So we would like for them to do what we don't do. And we say to them, this is what matters, but we live like it doesn't. We never show up at church on Sunday. We never open the Bible. We never pray. We never talk about God. We never act like faith is a thing. We just go on about our merry way. And we hope that they pick something up, but we never embrace it for ourselves. We ought to tune into God instead of men. We ought to obey God. By the way, Where does that affect us? Humans tell you all the time who you are. Do you listen to what they have to say or what God has to say? For some of you, you go to a job and you work a job, and what you are to your company is production, profit, someone to fill in a slot. That's what you are. And you feel that, and you feel like you're worthless if you can't produce because you get criticized or your job might be in jeopardy, and so you start running on this treadmill Because of what men say about you. Part of what Peter's saying here is that God's direction, God's evaluation trumps human thinking. You are not what you can do for someone. You are valuable because you are a creation of Almighty God. And because He loves you. Maybe you're in school. You are not your grades. You are not your athletic ability. You are not your attractiveness. We should know this, right? You are not your achievements. You are not your relationship status. You are not your job. You are not your failures. You are not your popularity, your money, your stuff. None of it is what you were made for. None of it defines who you are. Who defines who you are is your creator. 
And this is great news. But our world has lost its way and maybe you've lost its way because you've been chasing these things and you've been listening to these things and you've found that you can never quite get there. You've been running and running, but these things will never satisfy you. They can never be enough. Not that we're not supposed to enjoy good things in life. And the wrong things that happen to us certainly hurt. But the things that God blesses us with are not meant to be a substitute for living like our Creator made us to live. So Peter says to them, they say, you got to stop talking about Jesus. And Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than men. But he doesn't stop there. And that's why I want to just keep rolling for a couple more verses. He says this, verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Peter says, listen, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, not only are we not going to stop talking about Him, you should believe in Him. You should accept Him. You should embrace Him. He goes on to tell us why no one should push God away and why all of us should follow Him and put our faith in Him. The biggest thing that God wants every single one of us to know, and I think we all know this, but we never took it as a message from God. We need help. We were not designed to go through this life on our own. Too often we've been told that we need to be independent, that we need to be self-sufficient, that we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves because no one else will. But God has shown us we need help. And because God has shown us that, it's an invitation for us to come and find help. At the base level of that, the reason that you need help is because your relationship with your Creator is not okay from the start. Every single person that is born needs help. A rescuer. Jesus rescues. We use the word Savior a lot. One who saves. Jesus is the one who saves. And so we take our kids back to the story and we take you back to the story where Jesus, the Son of God, comes and dies so that our sin could be forgiven. So that we could be made new from the inside out. If that has never happened to you, What I'm telling you today is you need that to happen to you. At the very core of what it means to obey God instead of man is this. It's not about going to a church. It's not about praying. It's not about trying to do more good things than bad things. It is about accepting that your relationship with God is broken from the start and that the one who can fix it is the one who died in your place. So your sins could be forgiven, washed away, and you could be made new. And you need to make the choice to accept that. Peter says to them, you didn't accept it. You rejected them. You put him on a cross. But God has made him Savior to bring Israel to repentance. The idea of repentance, the word repentance, talks about changing your ways to turn around To stop doing whatever we think. To stop being our own God, our own guide, our own set of standards and our own judge. And instead, to put our trust in Him. To follow Him. 
to accept the fact that our failures and our mistakes have broken our relationship with God and the only way for it to be healed is through Jesus. The men that Jesus, that Peter's talking to here are very spiritual men, powerful, rich, influential leaders. They have a really big voice and so does our world around us. Sometimes even your church will try to act as a substitute for an actual relationship with God. They will tell you that your relationship with God is all about what you do for their church. And I'm saying, Peter says to very spiritual people, you have rejected Christ and you need him. And so whether you consider yourself spiritual or not, whether you are someone who thinks Jesus actually existed or not, you need more than that. You need actual saving faith. And then Peter says this, and we are witnesses. He says, this is not a story we heard. Someone through the grapevine said something and we were like, oh, that sounds interesting. What did you hear? You know, sometimes you go to the office or you, you bump into a neighbor and, and, or go to school and somebody's like, did you hear? And you're like, what? And then they, here comes the story and like, ooh. And then you're like, did you hear? And you get more information filled. That's not what this was. Peter says, we didn't hear by word of mouth. We are witnesses. Now, you might think that all the witnesses to Jesus' resurrection died a long time ago. But here's what I'm saying to you. Why is VBS such a big deal? Why do we pour ourselves into it? Why do people rush home from work or get off early from work or take the week off from work, scarf down a little bit of food and run over here to church for night? Why do they get up early every morning and and try to figure out what to do with more kids than we plan? Why do we do it? Because here's why. Because we are witnesses. This place and many other places around this world are filled with people who can tell you from firsthand experience that Jesus is not dead, but that he's alive. That Jesus is a rescuer who reaches into broken lives and saves. People can tell you we are witnesses. And I look around this church and I think how many of us can tell that story? That I was lost, but he found me. I was blind, but now I see. I had made a mess. It was shattered and broken, and there was nothing I could do about it. It was hopeless beyond measure, and so in desperation, I came to Jesus, and I said, here's the mess. And he fixed it, and he healed me, and he put the pieces back together that could have never gotten back together, but Jesus did it. How many of us are witnesses that Jesus is alive And that Jesus saves. We are witnesses. And so how could we do anything? If you're wondering today, I wonder if this is true. I wonder if this is just an emotional experience. I wonder what this all means. I'm telling you, we can tell you what it means because we've experienced it. And we want to do everything we can to share it. And so Peter, he goes on quite a a bit here in the story. But I just want to read one more verse to you. Verse 33. You would think that someone who says, I've seen him and he'll save you and you made the mistake of rejecting him, but repent and turn around, they would go, yes, but that's not what they did. Here's what happened. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. There is a response. You leave this room in in two or three minutes here and you will respond to what I've just said. You will either reject it Maybe you're offended by it. 
Maybe you're like, here's another church saying stuff about Jesus, and maybe that's, what, that's where you're going to leave it. But you will react to this message. If you're already a believer, you're like, yes. But maybe this is the first time you've heard this like this. And I'm saying to you, before you walk out of this room, you can decide to accept it. Maybe you've heard it, but you've just never believed it. You have to decide how you're going to react to this today. These religious people were angry. They thought that they were good enough people and that they were livid that these fishermen, these these common people, would tell them how to know God. That's how many people respond today. How dare you tell me what I have to do? But I'm inviting you to not do that. I'm inviting you instead to consider maybe this is true. And maybe it's for you. So today, we're going to close in a word of prayer, and my invitation for you today is just the same as we've given to these kids. Turn to Jesus as your Savior today. Ask Him to wash your mistakes, your messes away. Ask Him to reconnect you with your Creator and your God. He will make you new. He will forgive your sins. And like most relationships, it happens in conversation. With God, we call that prayer. And you can pray As we pray, you can pray to make this choice today. And I pray that you will. So I'm going to ask you just to stand with us. We're going to close in a word of prayer. And if for some reason, if if we as we've talked today, you're somebody who needs to make this choice, you can pray while I pray. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes so nobody's looking around or anything like that. And as I pray, you can just say, Lord, I, I want you to come be my Savior. I want you to come into my life and rescue me. I want you to save me. Believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose again. And I want that new life. I want that forgiveness of sins. Come and rescue me today. Father, we bow before you with hearts that are full of gratitude for what you have done in this building, in this place, through these people, what you have done in our lives and the lives of so many. Father, make this fruitful. Let this not die or wilt from this moment on, but Father, I pray that it would continue to grow, that the healing that has begun or the healing that has been offered, the restoration and the, 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 the relationship with you that begins in tiny little ones or begins in full-grown adults today would flourish and grow, that we would give it what it needs to go forward. Father, we thank you for your goodness on display in our church this week and for all that you have done. Now go with us. Give us a great rest of this day. Be with us at the picnic tonight. Father, we ask your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tonight.